Welcome to the Yang Gang Roundtable Podcast, an ongoing conversation on universal basic income, poverty, and electoral politics. This is the open discussion that followed the roundtable recorded on March 29th with Group A. Craig dropped out for a second and then just... Yeah, he dropped out for... uh, Yeah, we we missed some unknown portion of the roundtable. Hopefully I caught it in my backup uh, recording. So, I don't know. He's been having trouble, but and I put, I'll pull them back. Hopefully, he'll catch the entire uh, open discussion. So, sorry okay. for the interruption. Please continue. Um, yeah, no, I'm kind of under the impression we've already been doing a lot of shaming of people for uh, for saying it'll make us lazy and for still bailing out corporations. I've mm. that's a pretty steady chunk of my Twitter feed. It has been since I, Yang Gang started. I'm just, I'm just wondering that one. A congressperson, uh, Thomas Massey, who, who like, the entire Congress got pissed off at him. He said that we should just divide all this money equally between every American. And, uh, you know, even though I, I, he did kind of annoy me when he said, oh, we should just, like, reconvene and come back later because it's like we need the help now. But the check's not even coming in two to three weeks. So at the same time, like, like you would think they would pass this bill and send out the checks immediately if they weren't a bunch of like stupid, ignorant morons. But the thing is, is that like, um, yeah, like I think somebody should contact back Thomas Massey and say like, hey, you know what? Yeah, it's not a bad idea because then then it's fair if if you just divide that money up equally between every single citizen in the United States, then it's a level playing field. But instead of it being funneled through these through these massive, you know, um systems. Hmm. It's a food for thought. Well, what I've been thinking about is that people keep talking about saving the economy. Well, the economy is not a thing. It's not a thing you save. <laughs> I mean, you just don't, there's, there's nothing in that. The only thing you need to save is people, right? People are what make the economy. People create the demand. People are the producers. Everything that is done is for human beings. So when people keep talking about saving the economy, they're talking about a way of life. There, there's not a thing there. There's no, it's just a system of moving. Things. So maybe we should just so, reframe that as that, but like, redefine what they're saying they're saying save the economy the economy is really made up of people so what they're actually saying is save the people even though that's not what they think they're saying well they're they're saying it wrong because they've got the focus on the wrong area so they're thinking that if we save these systems that are already here that'll automatically save the people who work for them ever or that are you know using those services no what they need to do is focus on humans and that's what we're trying to do is the UBI is very human centered. We're going to give that universally to every single person that is here. We're not even talking about, you know, back in the Yang days, we talked about American citizens. But we did that because we thought it wouldn't pass unless we said American citizen. And now during this type of crisis, we realize it's not just citizens. It has to be everybody who's stuck in here with us. We've got people who are undocumented and if they're out spreading the illness, right, because they're fearful of what would happen if they stop working, <clears throat> if we don't take care of them and they get sick and they hide, it spreads somehow because their kids play outside or something, you know, I mean, that's a problem. So we have to get every single person that is here with us in our country. And the universality of this is going to become clear because of the illness. But what's more important, I think, is that people are not 
uh, people have divided themselves into two groups already. There's a group of people that we serve, right? Because they're poor, they're disabled, they're retired. And the other people who are working are on the other side. The workers serve those people who can't work. And they also serve themselves too, right? But but there's a group that considers themselves the ones that make the that make up the entire, you know, the actual working group. They do all of the work. And then there's the people who just receive the benefit. And then there's kind of this divide, like the workers are going to fight with them because, hey, why are we doing so much work and you guys don't do anything? Okay, so there's that constant problem where people hit them, put themselves in different groups and argue with each other. But actually... Um, in this case, the way to serve your country is to not work, right? If you're not supposed to be outside doing something that's vital for moving food or moving medicine, you know, making sure somebody's still in a house, then you should not go out, right? Don't go out. So the way to, what we're actually encouraging people to do and what we're paying people to do is to stay home. So when you see a situation like this, you've got to reconsider what is the economy, right? If these people were always out of the loop of the economy, these people who are just being served by everybody. Um, and they're the ones to blame for all the problems we have and all the scarcity because they don't work. Well, then, <clears throat> if these people were left out of the loop, then they have no purpose, right? So we should just get rid of them and then everything will be fine. We'll have enough workers, <laughs> right? <laughs> and we'll have uh, everybody will be working a less amount because everybody who's here can work. But that's not actually true, right? They have a purpose and they serve and they have like value. And I think that's something that we really need to be hammering on is that they were never out of, they were always part of the economy. You always needed people to um, be the consumers. We can't be a nation of all producers and no consumers. So the fact that they are there and they have needs is uh, part of what drives our society. And that's what, that's what the economy does is it loops through them. And even though they're getting their, their money from the government, that, that loop is still what, what is uh, part of the economy. It's the trying to get goods and services to all people. Uh, Cher, not Cher, Ariel, uh, I wanted to come back to something you said a little bit earlier, if that's okay. Does anybody mind? Go, okay, why not? Uh, you were talking, basically, it sounded like you were uh, suggesting that maybe people should have a general strike or hold the economy hostage until we get the UBI. Is that what you were going yeah, for? Yeah, the, the, that was the topic we were going to talk about today. Sure. But not like essential workers. They shouldn't do that. Uh, just, uh, just we should, we should, um, we should like somehow withhold Congress's salary because they're they're getting an over they're they're being overpaid in UBI, and they're they're seriously not doing anything for us. So they're they're getting paid to just not help. To to I don't know it's it's like there you you know when when you have a job and you do not do that job correctly there are consequences you get fired you get your pay cut you get demoted why are there not any consequences for these well we're supposed to be the consequences but most of us are not well informed enough to be the consequences so so basically the only way we can cut off their money is by not electing them and. Otherwise, they pay themselves however much they feel like paying themselves. Mm -hmm. Or just, it's like, what are we paying taxes for? Seriously. It's like... Yeah. 
<laughs> Welcome to libertarianism. <laughs> right. It's it's so thing, but but not that kind of libertarianism. That's like I think, I think you, told, you said it yesterday, Ariel, about like you know what you what you were taught in school about what your taxes do, and then the realization about what your taxes actually do. If you would just like to repeat that, I think that was pretty good. Uh, the way you phrased it yesterday. Oh, I'd like uh, to hear that. Well, yeah, I I was well. I mean, hearing stories like Jack Lean's really hits me hard because I was always told that like that we do try to support these people that are down on their luck and that are really, really hurt. And that's where our tax money is going through. So they don't keep getting hurt and they don't end up in like a really, really bad position. And that's why we pay our taxes because we're like good citizens like that. But then like it dawned on me, I said, wait a minute, then like people, people have been struggling to, you know, make something of their lives and they're telling me like they're getting absolutely no help. And in fact, like they're probably paying sales tax, if anything, but they're not getting help at at all. And they've gotten degrees. They've busted their butts trying to get a job and they're still stuck in their lives and they're not going anywhere. So it's like, hmm, then what like aren't our taxes designed to be helping them out? And if it's not, then what the hell? What are we doing here? You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing is um, the economy is not designed to help people. It's designed to create a group of people who use the services and another group of people who provide the services. And that's how you keep the economy flowing. Now, see, you don't need an exchange of any money or any services if every person could just make their own life. So the only reason we have an economy is because we're trying to take care of people. So what we do now is we say, here's my family. I'm out working for them. And so I'm taking care of my grandmother and my mother and my child, okay, and while I'm the working age, right? So you're, but, but when you talk about other people, you say, well, I don't want to take care of your child or your grandmother or your whoever, you know, because you're my, you're not my. So my work, all this hard work I'm doing is supposed to be only. But you see, those are the people. The reason you're working is always for the human needs of somebody that you love. And if we could just apply that to the entire community, we are not going to go get rid of all our old people just because they're old now and they work. The reason we're working well, is to produce for them. No, no, but but I'm but I'm just saying like people who who are who are hurt and struggling and going through a hard time such as Jacqueline and especially the like 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 I'm I'm saying like like those who who are you know really struggling really bad and no money is actually getting to them is is the part that's like bothering me but instead of the money getting to them it goes into the pockets of like a congress person's salary or like the military industrial complex or, or any of this stuff, then it's like, hey, like this is not this doesn't represent what I feel is needed right now. If if first of all, there should be nobody starving and nobody who's like afraid they'll be evicted and like not living with a roof over their head. We take care of that first before we pay we pay congress people an exorbitant amount of money or like the military an exorbitant amount of money that's what i'm saying can well, i sum I it up with, um totally. by saying like uh is it 
your position that you don't understand why we have a society that seems to hate society? Right. It, it, it makes zero sense. Like, like, like if, if we're, if we're gonna, like, if we're gonna say like, we're, we're socially Darwinistic, then it's like, okay, then there are no use for taxes. But as long as we're paying taxes, why are there people who, who are like on the verge of starvation? It makes zero sense. So, so we, we, you're telling me we have the money to like buy all these toys for the military and pay all of our politicians like this exorbitant amount of money, but not enough. So people like Jacqueline can not keep worrying about bills and, you know, all these things. And well, and, well know. yeah, because even the people that want to help us, they don't want to they, they want to be paternalistic about it. Like mm-hmm. they they want to they want to help that starving person by giving them a certain amount of money for a certain specific type of food, not just money to spend how they actually need in their lives. That's see, they think it all seems like an people. abhorrent concept to them. They think we're all stupid and lazy and wasteful. Yeah, that's that's the thing I want us to go out and really message is that we have a judgment problem in our society. Okay, if we think about our own grandparents, we'd be like, yeah, of course, I'm going to work for them and get them whatever they need in their old age after they've taken care of us their entire lives. And we think about our children that way. They've done nothing yet, but we're going to take care of them because that's our job, right? right? And we do not apply that to the rest of society. The minute you talk about somebody else's family, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I should work for you. It's just no, stunning. That is I the whole point. Understand. Yeah, where does this disconnect come from? It's not natural. It was it was developed and indoctrinated into us. Well, see, the people who feel this way feel like poor people need to have the fire of needing to eat on their belly or they would just sit at home and rot. They feel like the only thing that motivates the poor is activity, no. even though poverty has nothing to do with any of it. Right. Well, I have to object to the to the word of the use of the word poor because the poor are the ones that receive stuff. So they're actually talking about the middle class. So the poor is only there to terrify the middle class, right? The poor, because if you don't keep working, you'll turn, you'll up like them, right? So, so the judgment is there to keep the middle class going like, okay, full on, you have to work really hard or your family is going to start your family be hurt. And, but they keep the poor there continually because that's what keeps everybody working. We work so that other people can benefit from our work. I'm talking about the rationale to treat the poor that way. The idea that allows them to feel justified for doing so is that we must not be properly motivated. Therefore, we must only get scraps. Otherwise, we would become lazy nothings. Well, you know, like, I'd, I'd like to do a thing where we swap uh, lives when, when we say, okay, then you start with a, at zero and we'll give this, whoever this poor person is, we'll give them what's in your bank account. And we'll see if if it really is like that, or if they're if they're part willing. Of, like that. Part of the problem there, though, is that poor person is going to need some like financial education, almost definitely. Right. Like I I am in awe of Jacqueline there because she has an understanding of money that I cannot approach. Like I don't understand almost mm-hmm. all of the words she says about it. Mm. Uh, that's because i you know we're not taught that (laughs) right so a financial education for only poor people is again the same concepts you know uh, rich people need financial educations too because they also have no idea what they're doing right 
but the question no just like incorporating it into like the school curriculum yeah it, it it should be that should i don't understand what the fuck the point of school was if they didn't teach me how to navigate the actual world i live in yeah well and, okay and, so and that's, that's what we're looking at so, what, so the entire system so i think the entire system is actually built to to continue these two these different groups you've got your it, middle it, class that works and then you've got the poor people that we help Okay, so the help that we give never actually helps them out of the group, right? We always help them in a way that keeps them there. And then we've got the rich who can keep skimming off the top. And then people don't notice because they're like, well, maybe we'll become the rich people someday. But we definitely don't want to be like those poor people, those awful poor people that, you know, will never, ever climb out of their pit. It's really gross. And and the thing the the thing that that amazes me is that like we we pay taxes to to perpetuate um poverty it's so stupid it's like uh, that's the redux of it is they're perpetuating the system which keeps people mm. poor it's it's interesting they, they want to make, put judgment on us mm-hmm. it's interesting because that's where a lot of the friction from the right comes on increasing taxes for social programs is they <gasps> would rather be able to put their own money toward it than have it that paternalistic bloated system and that's an argument i understand for it so so how the hell does this make any sense if 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 the if the fed can just like you know like print money out of thin air and just give it to the government so why are we paying them the taxes (laughs) they just print it anyway well so you just brought it back around to yai the reason yai is that we trust people and we don't say some people are the poor, and some people are the rich, and some are this group. We need to say everybody's human, right? right? You might be that poor person later in your life if you're rich right. right now. And you might become a rich person because you just happen to be lucky. So we don't right. know that, that right. you're a particular type of person. You're all the same. You're all humans. And right. I trust you. So, so that, that's, the, that's the question, right? It's like, like, where did the first money come from or something like that? you know you know um um it's it's like it it, it was printed or something you know and and it's like it's like every everybody has to start from somewhere you know you gotta give them that starting point so that's 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 why something like a ubi would work but that 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 that's why and you know what i hate like i hate this argument it's it's like the dumbest argument on the face of the earth sometimes when people said like oh let's raise the minimum wage to 15 dollars an hour and then some libertarian minded person comes up and says well why not a hundred dollars per hour why not $200 per hour? You see, you can't just do that. But then I'm saying, no, no, no. You see, it's within reason. So then I, if, if I go to a store and I want Wait, 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 wait. That is, that is not the libertarian argument on minimum wage that I have ever seen. It, oh. It's the same as my argument about my job, that if, if I'm willing to accept a certain amount of money, for if, that, if that's worth my time to me, that's my decision to make. Oh, okay. That's that's the libertarian argument that I've seen there. Like, okay, if, if I'm well, willing to accept a lesser amount of money for my time, okay. my decision. Well, then, well, then it's it was like a conservative one or whatever. But then, but then, like the same. Logic it sounds like applies. a bad straw man. It sounds like you just met someone who gave you a really dumb straw man. <laughs> Not particularly ideological. It's just like, uh, I think they just gave you the slippery slope fallacy at like maximum. They're like, well, right. you know, why, why not infinity? I mean, and then the answer is, well, here's why not. 
This is the right. reason we can't do that. This is the right. reason to stop at twenty five dollars an hour or whatever you think the minimum. Right, is. right, right. So, so, so I was gonna say like then, then, then it's like if you go in to buy a piece of bread that's like three dollars, they're like, well, then if you're gonna raise the price that much, why not four dollars? Why not ten dollars? Why not two hundred dollars? You know, you know, because because that's why within reason. So, so then, so, so I've seen the same straw man with UBI. Oh, a thousand? Well, then why not two thousand? Well, then yeah, why not two? the same way, you know? You just right, know exactly. Here's, why not, dummy? Are we done? Thanks for engaging right, on exactly. my terms. All right? But yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you yeah. can get Congress to pass it, though, I'll take as yeah. much as you want to make it. Sure, right. of course. I'll take five thousand. I'll take ten thousand a month. But um, right. do it. That like you that like something we, I want to get we back to. We were watching to. the weird bidding war was just wildly entertaining. <laughs> right, but but the thing is, it's 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 like within reason because the the reason why it's a thousand is because if if twelve because because it's en- it's enough to get the basics, but then if you want more than the basics, then you earn it, and I think that's the fairest thing. Because because it's like like said it's a floor it's not yeah, a ceiling absolutely so I think start, and it, and as long as you walk in willing thing. to admit that it's going to need to like that's not going to be enough for everybody and maybe we'll have mm-hmm. to look at raising it at some point but it is a place to start exactly a lot tanker. better than nothing and it's so it's so ridiculous it should be a non-starter the right. argument oh it's not enough so we should do nothing nah they're not, right. we're not I'm, don't engage with that just don't engage with those right. people if it's, they want to bring it back to you in a different reasonable paradigm engage then but there's nothing right. to be done for people who make that argument people but are so say, before we get get too far away from it you, you brought up something i'd really like to revisit there is this fundamental antipathy outside of the nuclear family in america for for poor people look at how like most upper or middle class people consider uh domestic versus foreign poor people where like foreign poor people are you know victims of their circumstances and domestic uh poor people are you are fuck ups with like a you know a meth problem or something that's <laughs> that is really the the way that uh sort of stereotypically poverty is betrayed portrayed uh inside and outside of america and uh the exception is always at the nuclear family level where it's like oh i know it's my mom it's my dad it's my son it's my daughter my cousin my brother whatever um and we all go, you know, we, we, we think holistically and we make all these nuanced, thoughtful assessments of the people in our little nuclear bubble. And then, like, not too far outside of it, there's this strange American <coughs> where we have, like, complete antipathy. Uh, you mentioned you brought that up. I wonder if you would, you would like to expound on that, Faye. Uh, what do you think that comes from or what can be done about it? Or have you... Do you have any insight on this? Because I think it's a really interesting uh, aspect of this issue to to investigate a little further. Yeah, um, well, I don't want to necessarily expound because I want to be here discussing with you, but I've been thinking about it a lot, and I know that everybody has. Um, and I just feel like we are uniquely positioned in our groups, you know, the people who are thinking about this, to think hard and really get to the crux of the problem, which is that we don't trust people. So we trust our own family. We know which ones are the fuck-ups, right? We know which ones are good. But even the fuck-ups, we're going to take care of them. We don't yeah. say to our kid, well, you know, you were a bad person today, and so we're not going to feed you. Because that would be really cruel. Right. We, want, like, we try to help them with <laughs> the problems that are making them, uh, that are that are impeding their ability to contribute to the group. That's like not, that. that's the way you deal with, you know, people who are having problems. You don't punish them and like exacerbate the the problems are having. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole point of human, uh, our human, uh, our humanness, what makes us human and not robots or whatever, is that we care about each other and we want to take care of each other. 
So we go out every day. I, my son is my motivation. He's six years old. And without him, would I even get up and put on clothes? You know, <laughs> would I even bother doing a lot of the things I do? I probably wouldn't even bother, you know, <laughs> because I'm motivated, highly motivated to get up every day to take care of him. I'm going to make him his meals. You know, I might make one meal for my once in a while and then just kind of snack. But because I have a six-year-old, I'm making sure he eats well every single day. So as a caregiver, I, that's my entire motivation for being alive is I take care of people. And I think that's the most fundamental human uh, you know, feeling. I had people who were arguing with each other, the rural areas with the, with the um, city people, you know, about they're fighting back and forth. Oh, you think we're the, you know, idiots on this side and we think you're the idiots on this side. And but ultimately those rural people get up every day and they go and get the food, you know, from the farm and they get it out to the cities, regardless of what's going on, because they want to feed people. They want to make sure everybody's okay. So yeah. whenever you <clears throat> connect people to the feeling that you want to care for people, then we're human. And then we get into this bureaucracy and all of a sudden we're not human anymore. We're, we're numbers instead of humans. And that's, that sucks. So how, how do we get that sense of a uh, shared purpose and humanity to I, persist throughout uh, a bureaucratic process? If, I mean, if anyone might have any guesses. I, I wish I knew because bureaucracy is what's kind of standing. I'm seeing um, that, that feeling of people coming together and trying to work together to make things better real locally. This is a rural area. They've all, like gone online and made groups to try to support each other. And it's very cool to see, but um, a lot of their best efforts are thwarted by like their funding mechanisms being very bureaucratic. Uh, like my job, there's three of us still employed because they're trying to run a nighttime food program for the kids. But because it has to be for the kids, like they, it, it just, it creates logistical issues that, they really it, it impedes the point of the program, which is to get food to kids. Um, it just and, and it's that at like every level of funding at every like relief effort that I'm seeing is it's just it's it's frustrating. There's a lot of stupid little bureaucratic rules that they have to follow to get money to do the things. That's a really sad thing. That's that's sad. <laughs> yeah, it is. I feel like um, what we're not recognizing is that the people who use the services, the people who consume services, consumer parts, at least as in, because they give us the motivation to get up and things we do every day. I mean, what point of driving a truck full? Okay, my, I had a friend who, who knew someone who was very wealthy. The person, empty house that he, he puts all of his wealthy things. So he goes out and buys expensive art, puts it in the house. He buys a piano, he has a house. You know, this house has everything in it, but no people. So he also hires a full staff of people that run this house. <laughs> and the staff of people goes in there, they clean. There's nobody living there, but they clean it on a regular basis. So there's no, no dust, just in case this very wealthy person decides to hold a party one day. And he's got, you know, grounds, he's got a pool. So he's got families of people living on, on the property, but they're there to serve the property. But there's no people inside. Yeah, you've so identified a huge me, waste. Yeah, go on. So she so she tells me, you know what? We can't keep these people. We hire them and then the maids get incredibly depressed and then they leave. <laughs> because what are you doing there? You're 
day and you know it. Yeah. You're getting yeah. paid, but you're like, what is the point of my job? That can't be the economy. <laughs> that that can't be oh. what people are doing with their lives. That that God. is, un- you know, when, when Republicans talk about the dignity of work, this is the opposite. There's nothing less dignified than busy, doing unnecessary labor. Busy work is just the most dehumanizing, pointless waste of time. I I, I hate it. <laughs> slow torture, uh, really it, slow t- torture. Make the make the Republicans do it. They, they, they look like you for every. You know, if only we had any ability to visit the sort you, of horrors on them for like one day. They visit. You know. People, you know what we? Well, and we not no just the Republicans. Hey, hey, let's, no, let's not pretend that sort of corporatist greed is a partisan it, it, thing. It's, it's yeah, it's bipartisan. It's rampant. Sure, the whole ruling class. Yeah, Democrats. You know. You know, what, you, know like, you know what? When we replace all of these douche nozzles with with hopefully freedom democrats and freedom republicans people like heidi briones and and dan the ubi caucus people montana yeah. when we when we do that let's give them these dignity of work jobs that they keep talking about i wish and we like could but there's no way to, to do, do that that's, yeah, that's a real no. good dark <laughs> fantasy that we all share but i mean we have right. I mean, I don't. One, one, <laughs> one we have no ability to do that two if we could it would be unethical <laughs> But I was going to say, um, that, that sort of rich person that your friend describes say it's terrible, but what that reminded me of is how I play, like, Skyrim. Hoard all of my favorite shit in my favorite house. I'm not using it. It has no purpose. It's just pretty. I like it. It's like dragon hordes. Except for the things that have to take care of that are mindless AI who don't get bored. Exactly. <laughs> I'm playing a video game. They're playing real life like it's a video game. I just like to make friends in Skyrim and like do weird <laughs> things for weird people. That's like the fantasy <laughs> I like to live. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it's not that different from my real life, I guess. What did well, I just like to smash things with a hammer and collect yeah. jewelry? We should have like like people who are doing this kind of boring, busy work and saying they're you know testifying and saying no, you numbskulls, there is no dignity in this work because we're not saving serving absolutely let's get let's get a no dignity of work group to go before congress and and address directly the myth of the dignity of work that's a that that would be great but that also does kind of sound like a whole bunch of maids getting together and saying hey anyone anything yeah no no but i like dignified or unnecessary i I, I know i know i know i mean clean your own shit yeah Seriously, like, uh, can we? You know, how can we organize that? Can we organize? They, they definitely to know about the unnecessary work that's happening before <laughs> before Congress and make an issue of busy work because they will not address it. And, and we, that's a way to force them. If you testify as a big group in front of Congress, people who are doing busy work, work that is demoralizing, work they know does not benefit society, they have to address that as an issue. That's in their paradigm. You know, you've established the paradigm, and there's no good way for them to address that. So they have to capitulate once you establish that paradigm. So I mean, can there's we a do certain- that? There's Can a certain horror to it, right? Like, uh, watching your life be wasted away and, like, all the things you could be doing at that moment disappearing and every minute of your life being ticked down just to make somebody else mildly happier. Right. Like, um, so that maid's probably thinking, I could be taking care of my sick child at home, but instead I have her cleaning an empty house so that I can have money to take care of my child at home. Yeah, that's what you got to be thinking the entire time because there's nothing else to preoccupy your mind. Here's a way to phrase it in their own language. It is a moral hazard for employers to employ people to do unnecessary labor. You know, that's what you have to put before Congress and make them address. Right. And and well, instead the of the wealthy that, person. 
Like, yeah, it's a moral hazard for the employer, for the wealthy person, yes. Because it really yes. only works as a good, strong argument for UBI. Because right. otherwise, the, the solution is a whole bunch of people well, having no jobs. And, like, well, that's why these, that's why a I lot mean, of the I mean, incrementally, they'll exist. threaten with that. They'll go, well, well we're going to do no jobs. And go, well, it's better. Yes, no jobs. And then, right. and then you will need a new solution. But don't be scared by the increment. Don't be scared. Be like, well, we're going to have no jobs for a minute. Be like, yeah. And yeah. then you're going to have to deal with that too. Right. You know? I, I'm, I'm not scared by the Oh, yeah. This isn't I'm, for I'm you. This like is for like anyone yeah, who no, hears and thinks, oh, what are we going to do? Oh, yeah. if, a if reality he, that if a lot of if busy work jobs were just eliminated, then we would have. Here, here's the thing. Like what, what Andrew said, the UBI creates jobs because with more liquidity, you can like cre- you can be more creative. You can create more things, and that'll create opportunities for other people. So you can set aside a little bit of your UBI each month to work on a passion project, and from that passion project, it will create jobs, and then we'll get Congress, and then we'll. Smack them on the back of the head with that idea. They're so goddamn stupid and brain dead. <laughs> I, I, I get a little fired up, but yeah, you do. So the dignity of jobs. <laughs> I mean, would be I've protected. definitely, <laughs> I've definitely heard would... people get fired up at Congress worse. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. They almost fight each other. Um, so the the I think that the thing that would protect the dignity of jobs is, of course, freedom of choice, which is why. UBI is absolutely what we need going forward. It's the only thing that gives every person strike fund and something that they can always fall back on. If they want to disagree, um, to do thing that their employer tells them to do, they can say, well, I don't want this job or I don't want to break the law. You could. I've been to jail, to federal prison for about 11 months. Um, not, not prison, to, to the detention center. And during that time, I saw many, many women. Huh? You personally have, just to clarify, you've been I to personally prison. have. <clears throat> okay, did not yeah, know. Yeah, I, I can tell that story another time, but I've been to jail yeah, yeah. for 11 months. Um, I saw a lot of women come in, and they came for almost always the same type of reason. Somebody asked them to do something they knew they shouldn't do, or somebody asked them to do something, they didn't even know what was happening, and they just did it. So um, they trusted people they shouldn't trust, or they were forced to trust people because they can't do without that job. So, you know, a lot of women were, uh, and I'm sure that's true of men too. I'm not going to say this is only for women. You know, men have to keep working to keep families safe. And so they will do what they're asking to do. And that is really a big cause of crime and uh, all sorts of antisocial behavior. And we might see that go up right now because rent is going to be due in two or three days. And uh, we've a lot of people have no money. You know, the stimulus didn't hit everyone. And for some people, it wasn't enough. And for some people, this won't get there in time. So I'm, uh, I hope we don't see a big uptick in crime next week, but I don't see how we can avoid at least some. Right. Well, we probably a, will. A UBI, a UBI would promote pro-social behavior. Because I know I feel the most pro-social and pro-happy and pro-wanting to help people when I know that, you know, my basic... When you're, like, there's a feeling that when your basic needs are covered and then some... You want to you want to make something more of your life. Then it's not about that anymore. It's about like having an impact, self-actualizing. Just like what what is my legacy or what am I going to create or what am I going to do when you're not in resource scarcity mode? And yeah, that's when you, when you don't have to worry about money, your brain has the space to worry about other things. <laughs> right. To work Speaking on other a... things. 
Speaking of resource scarcity, uh, I watched a show on Netflix called The Platform, and I think that it does a pretty good job of being an analogy for resource scarcity in society. What I really highly about? recommend it. Uh, it's a sci-fi, okay. so it's more of an allegory than like what it talks about. But um, basically, there's three hundred. Well, there's this really deep pit where there are two people per la- level, and at the top of the pit, there are people making this excellent meal, and it gets lowered down through the pit over these levels, and the first floor to get it gets uh, access to everything and basically takes more than they can handle. And then it goes down to the second floor and they take from the leftovers of that and then down to the third. And as you can imagine, it goes by very quickly, but there's more levels than there is food. The trickle-down economics. Uh-huh. Well, is that... Oh, sorry. I tried to remove my headset. Um, is that the same as those Hunger Games type of movies and books? It, no, it's very gory. No. And it's... Um, it's not about uh, anybody being better than anybody else. It's literally just the luck of the draw puts you on the right level. Right. Exactly. It's, oh, it's they like every- about scarcity and like, you know, governmental hierarchy. That's true. In that sense, they are similar. Well, in the Hunger Games, there's a significant um, chance factor also. Because you, you get a pack at the beginning and um, or, you know, the, the resources that are that you find are just by luck. Yeah, the difference here is it's designed to not be by luck. So, I mean, it's by luck where you land, but you're on the first floor and you always get that good food and it goes down. And it has nothing to do with your skill. It has nothing to do with how well you can survive. It's just you're there. I see. Right. Okay, well, I would love to watch that if I have the access to it. It's on Netflix. I don't know uh, uh, how... Is it a Netflix or a movie? It's a movie. It's about two hours long. Okay. And it's really, really gruesome, too. Uh, don't eat during it. Say its name again, the title of the film. The Platform. Thank you, thank you. It's foreign. It won some awards before it got picked up by Netflix. It's, it's really good. And then there was that Korean movie, Parasite, where it just showed that, you know, the pro- the, in, instead of, you know, you know the, the two families were just, like, fighting over uh, uh, who, who would serve the rich family better and uh and it it turned that that they were like attacking each other and it it ended in like death but instead of that you know like it it just shows that this should not be the paradigm it shouldn't be like whoever can you know serve the rich best and then trying to get rid of the other people because they're they're taking away your opportunities it's like hey like this whole structure is messed up and it's turning people into barbarians to begin with and that should not happen yeah that's that's a good summary i wish i could see that one too have you guys all seen that joker movie already because we i remember a few weeks back yes i finally did awesome so what do you guys think about um can we like do spoilers here while we're since we've all seen it (laughs) the only thing our audience is going to run off the only thing I would say against talking about it right now is the reason we were waiting to discuss it was for Parker. Oh, really? When is Parker going to rejoin us next week? He said that he was going to be here today, but a bit late, but it's starting to look like that's not going to happen either. <laughs> I, I haven't seen the movie either. Um, remind me of the title of this movie. Joker? Joker. Just Joker. Joker. Oh, I it's saw the it. one I with Joaquin Phoenix, so in case you check in, you know, that make sure yeah, he's in it. it. I saw that one. one. It, it's, it's very good. It is. I cried. 
he really wanted to talk about it. I feel bad, but we also kind of seem to really want to talk about it. Well, um, we can wait for him. All right with that. But we yeah, are running It's not bit. going anywhere. We can talk about it. So, yeah, there have been a lot of really interesting movies about, you know, end of the world type of and um, terrible things that was because of scarcity. Whereas in reality, we have an overabundance. And so I've been watching a lot of those movies. Yeah. So I was watching a movie called Food Waste. And that traces, you know, how much food we, we waste in the country. So just like a documentary. And um, the premise in the movie was the um, <clears throat> of two, just a man and a woman. I, oh, I think they had a child, too. The child didn't. And they, they decided that they were only eat things that would have been wasted. So, like, collect food. And I would be like, oh, my God, die of food poisoning, you know? <laughs> I was like, they're going to get really... I'm, I, I... <laughs> they didn't. Found ways, find, like they found, they even went dumpster diving, took out food from. So they were freaking. And they went, they were what? Uh, I've heard a term, <clears throat> the term, as I understand it, for people who do not pay for food is uh, freeganism. Oh, okay. Well, every once in a while they would pay for food, but they would only buy things that the store was about oh, to throw okay. out. So, as as waste. so they were not free. Is... But they found, but they found that they hardly ever had to do that, that they were able to find, like, the better they got at it, more you know, wasted food they knew how. And so at the beginning times they were hungry. Oh my God, so hungry. But um, but the basic fact is that we waste at least 30%. And that's just at minimum. Probably a lot more food gets wasted after we take it home and we don't eat it and we throw it out. And yet we have hungry people in our country. Yeah, and we have a waste disposal problem on top of um, it's a problem on both ends. And, uh, you know, it's extension of wealth and equality in one, one aspect. And this is just... This is what we call the artificial scarcity. It's artificial because our economy is not working. We have the food and we won't distribute. Yeah, part part of the artificialness of it is that like they the the people at the top kind of want to ossify their positions because you you know you know when you wait in a long line at like Disneyland or Six Flags and it pisses you off and you want to get the fast pass. Because if, if we don't have artificial scarcity, they they have to wait in line with, you know, the rest of the rabble. And you think they want to wait in a line to get their abundance, or they don't want to wait in a line. So since they don't want to ma- wait in a line, they make it hard to get where they are, I think. Well, the I don't really hate rich people is I know that they're just kind of, like, I don't think they're malicious. Like, I think rich people would like fed also they just don't think that they can personally feed every single person and just don't do nothing right they're happy to be happy doing what but but i'm saying like not not all of them but they're like a special class of uh rich it's like who who wants to like wait in a line with like others it's like we we want to keep it to where you know like because because if too many people have access, that kind of dilute di- dilutes what they already have. That's true in theory. Are you uh, saying true historically? But I think at this moment in history, we have such uh, extreme abundance for the rich that they could pretty much eliminate extreme poverty and not feel it at all at this point. Well, it kind of goes to Ariel's uh, point where we have things where they just brand something. They put a brand on something very normal, like a or a pair uh, of shoes. And everybody could get a pair of shoes kind of similar to it, except that it has this brand on it. And then all of a sudden you've created that artificial 
scarcity will be um, the static. So really, it's just a creation of classes. Some people enjoy that, though, like the competition of being the one at the top. And I think that's part of why capitalism has turned so sour is because we let it become a game to a certain center of people. Yeah, like you could buy the, uh, the same T-shirt for $10 without that, without that. But then you'd rather buy it for $100 just so that. I mean, I think it's even still fine it. if it's a game, as long as we can recenter it so it's a human focused game instead of a capital gains focused game. I think that's true. And I like the variety that comes with being able to, you know, buy things from different brands, but not at the expense of everybody getting everything. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. And and like a game where losing doesn't mean like poverty and desperation, anxiety, depression, stress, etc. Yeah, we need an actual floor. Right. Just we exactly. need a standard of living in this country. It's kind well, of just fucking ridiculous. That well, your login bonus. Every time, every yes, time, a login bonus. <laughs> uh, yeah, every every time um you pass go in Monopoly, you get you get money. Like you can't play the game of Monopoly without any starting cash. Then then you it's like you've already lost before you even played it. It's ridiculous. No one should have to so lose either. This is actually right. my favorite part about the economy is that. It's really a game in trying to make sure everybody, and you can design that. If you are a gamer, you know that you can have different. Right. Who makes the rules of the game, right? And of course, if, if, if you're the one coding the game, you're the one and you're playing. If, if a coder is coding the game that they're playing, of course, they'd want to rig it in their favor. You know, most likely. MMOs have even brought in actual economists to create the trade systems within those games. So that they would have rich, robust economies for their players to play back and forth in. Yeah. I don't know. Do you know games have done that? I know the, that in Second Life, people were made millionaires by selling virtual real estate for California. <laughs> well, my fit game that you probably haven't played, uh, that's the most interesting I've ever seen and most realistic, is called Puzzle Pirate. Have you heard Yo-Ho-Ho Puzzle Pirates? No. Hey, well, it's... It's, it's um, not very, very well known, but it, it was very popular in the past and slowly going. But the created this game, uh, Daniel James, was very, uh, it's very, very popular. So the things in the game are actually created, like they spawn somewhere in a, as if a resource or that have to pay. And then you have to go and bid. On. And then there's transportation costs, the ships, there's labor costs. You pay people to in order to go do the There's um, actually a lot of things just breaking down. So if you wear the same clothes every day, slowly degrade and appear. So, you have to, so like um, there's this very, very complex game economy and I've always wanted to get that data, you know, and work on that and go, hey, this is all the stuff we could learn from this game, you know? And I wish we had more interesting like experiments done in games that way. Uh, the data is probably available for a lot of, of similar games, if not for that one in particular. Um... It might be for that one. You know, data science studies can be done on that, and that data. One of the great things about some. I just posted Eve online link to an article that explains how they hired uh, somebody to do that. It's right over oh, in the Eve Discord online? chat. That's cool. I would love to, um, yeah, read about those and maybe play the games. But well, another thing that you learn from gaming is that you see nobody goes into a game and does nothing. There's nobody who's literally lazy in a game. What is the point of playing the? game? to have fun and to just experience the game. Right. Offer. Well, I mean, the thing is with the, that's, that's absolutely accurate. But when you 
talk to different gamers, a lot of them consider different types of gaming laziness, and that's kind of a reflection of what you see in real life understandings of labor. Yeah, there's you a certain community in things like cheating. Well, cheating and just like I'm a casual gamer, <laughs> which is some kind of crime to. Yes. You sound like you're really runners. away from your microphone. Me? Shale, he's got a very yeah, quiet does, yeah. Huh. yeah. I don't know why that would be. It, it, it's changed a lot like you're talking on a walkie-talkie. And very quiet. Yeah, I noticed it about yeah. 15 or 20 minutes ago already. Really? Huh. I don't know why yeah. that would be. And Faye is kind of, you're coming in and out. There's been a lot of technical, yeah, Faye's been coming in and out. Uh, maybe it is simply a bandwidth issue. Um, I don't know. It might be, yeah, I'm with not noticing anything on my end. That's everybody weird. home and online. <laughs> um, I, think... I was gonna say that, like, I I haven't. I'm not an online gamer mostly, so I haven't played enough different games online to have encountered a full scale economy. But um, when I played Ark with friends, like that just spontaneously occurred because we, you know, specialized in different areas of the game because it's just crazily open sandbox oh i realized um, what happened i had the wrong microphone active for a second there thanks for the there question. there uh, <laughs> Sorry for I, I was like did you go into your <clears> the perils of having two microphones no i i for some reason was routing i don't i hope it wasn't for long my headset but now we're back to my <laughs> condenser mic which i would like to get for everyone sorry to cut cut, cut you off but um yeah. i really would like to get everyone a condenser microphone so we all sound i, I, th- I thought you were like walking around good. the house getting something done and like no. shouting back into the mic no i wish you'd said something sooner but thank you <laughs> yeah. uh no can you no, hear what me happened? also was... now because i took the headset off you just got very loud it's a little better but you sound good yeah so okay if I could, uh, if I had a UBI, I would buy everybody who doesn't have a condenser mic a condenser mic so we can sound uh, better. Because people take you more seriously when your production quality is higher. Uh, whether they, they should or should not, you just have more of an impact. You, 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 people enjoy you know, the more consonant sound of a good microphone and good audio connection over you know, technical areas like we have. So if, if, if just some liquidity was available to any of us, or me, or each of us, we could solve this, but we're just well, stuck with people using their phones half the time here. Um, yeah. And I, I appreciate you keep us, keeping us on, though we, we don't have the property equipment, because that's the point right now, I think, to elevate people's voices who don't have one. Right. Yeah, that's exactly the point. I wouldn't have one right now if I hadn't gotten one donated from a kind Yang Gang person when I was calling out to try and get a good mic. Right. And hopefully yeah. it's not too bad. Can, can you do these good mics work with the phone? Because my laptop is going to be on its last legs also. I'm on Windows 7 and it's no longer being supported. Well, um, wow, it sucks. Yeah, you could switch to Linux, but uh, that's a whole process. Um, yes, some USB mics will work with some phones and tablets, but that's not universal. I mean, I mean, what a what a problem to have. I see. Like, you remember that like lifestyles of the rich and the famous? They're always complaining. That guy who said that like thing. Good and then Charlotte, it's like, yeah. right? Yeah, and then it's like, yes, why I the remember hell are that you pop complaining? Punk if you're if you're yeah. complaining, just freaking give all your money to me, and you never hear me complain again. <laughs> I would be pro a universal basic computer program. Yeah. 
Well, well, yeah, that's the thing, because, like, why is it that the people who are always getting their voices heard are the people with the with the most money? That's not fair. Because they the control people who the deserve system of distribution of information. The, that's, that's the why. people who deserve to have their voices heard are the people who are having a hard time, not the people who are. Who can just... I mean, everyone deserves a chance to have their voices. Heard. Right. Everybody deserves to have a chance to have their voices heard. But they they overwhelmingly have their voices. It's, because they can fund their own projects. Right, exactly. And and it's not Yeah, fair. well, because yeah. online it does frequently come down to your production quality. So, like, right now you're seeing a bunch of accounts blow up on social media because they're doing cool, creative things when they're stuck home. But most of them are able to do a lot of the cool, creative things because they have, have the hardware to do so. Do you think and maybe... that hardware costs, costs money. Do you think maybe Humanity Forward could could buy mics for people who don't have mics? If someone could reach out to them, I wonder if they would like maybe. Well, well, I think would, I think we shouldn't. No, even if, but chill. I think your focus is on the wrong yeah. thing. Even if we had the mics, we we need we need the 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 people listening. Not, yeah, no. Not, what not, we're what well, we're they're, they're one of the same Ariel. More people will if listen if we sound better. Quality is not good. Yeah. People are gonna, like, you know, hear someone talking with, like, you know, an inline mic or, or a phone mic, and they're just not gonna give it as much time to get interested as they would someone speaking on a good, well-produced uh, microphone. You know, I'd suggest I agree with Angelo or Caroline. Both of them seem to have some connections with Humanity Forward. Well, I think I, I, I don't know. I, he- I hear mine with the phone mic, and I don't sound that bad you don't sound that bad in fact i think of all the people with phone mics you sound like probably the best you have a very good phone mic but um the reason i brought it up with you specifically in a dm earlier today i messaged ariel and i suggested hey maybe if you can afford it we can get you a mic or something because you're on a lot and you know i we'd get a lot Mm. out of the person who's on a lot having a better mic uh no background noise yeah (laughs) that's an issue too um actually ariel you know you do have a good phone mic but uh it's it's still a fun mic. You'd sound quite a lot better. You, it's a world of difference. If, if you've never used a good condenser mic, it's a world of difference. You'll you'll love the way you sound. Well, well and a lot so of us are on wonderful mics. We also phones. Was that right? Not only those, not only those pieces. We consider the internet yet, which we've talked about before as being very inaccessible in rural areas. So there's literally fifteen percent of our school district. They did a survey because they knew they were closing down the school. And so they said, well, you know, people are able to get their homework and stuff online if we just send the kids home with their tablets that we already provide at school. And 15% of the house said we don't have any, right? They have no internet with which to even do homework, which can't be high bandwidth. So they are, um, they have to like get the bus drivers to actually drop out Every day, their routes, so they can deliver back and forth homework assignments for this week or something. I don't know. Uh, huh. That doesn't crazy. make sense at all. That seems like a huge, huge, I, I mean, efficient waste of risk Our and, school and district handled it just like the, the opposite, most hands-off way. They sent all the kids home with Chromebooks and said, okay, well, we don't have a school program set up, so here's some resource links. Goodbye. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, well, if they have no internet, right, how can they yeah. do an internet-related activity? They would have to have all their textbooks and a sent home with them. <laughs> Seriously. What, why are we paying taxes? Like, I don't understand. What What is it going to? Like, Mostly the military. It makes yeah. zero sense. What, what are we defending? 
it's it's like I mean, everything but like our own people. At this be, point, but at we're this not doing it. Like we're not actually point, doing what it. What the what the <laughs> what the fuck are we defending? I'm sorry. Like you don't you don't defend it, like that. That's like it's so stupid. It's like hey, like this guy is dying from cancer. Hey, you know what this dying cancer patient needs? A bodyguard. He needs treatment, you dumb bastard. He doesn't need a body. Oh no, he, his bodyguard needs more guns. No, 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 no. Needs- Most of the military spending doesn't go to their personnel. Like it's not the like individual guy that's getting the money. It's their contractors. No. It's these big. I'm, well, no, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just using the. No, no, no. You, I'm just saying as a metaphor. Ah. It's like saying that we need a bodyguard. For a cancer patient, a terminally ill cancer patient, instead of treatment, it's like I mean, we, nobody's we ever heard of military. We need it's it's like we need to be defending a guy with like fifty mental problems <coughs> with twenty bodyguards instead of just getting them a therapist. I mean, this we, is how stupid these people are, or they're just ignorant, or I don't know what the hell is wrong with them. I mean, we it's we like, do need a military. Just that the 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 guard doesn't need to be outfitted with outrageously unusable equipment no yeah but but what i'm saying is that first you focus on that person's if if there's no one coming to like kill this person who has like 10 mental issues and a whole bunch of uh uh, um uh, physical issues and issues with their bladder and their whatever and and their heart and everything that the the thing that they need is like a therapist for mental <laughs> health and a physician for physical health they don't need I, a bodyguard I'm, I'm just saying it doesn't need to be either or we could cut military right. spending in half have a completely right, functional yeah. bodyguard I'm, and I'm get saying, that guy health care right exactly but but i'm saying i'm saying if that person is dying of you know um not like these diseases inside of their body a, a, a bodyguard is not going to save them and and they could have a bodyguard but it's like and 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 if nobody is coming to get them and wants to get them and it's just the the health problems that they're having the first thing is you take care of that first before you think of a bodyguard for them and maybe it's just stupid. let building security for the hospital be enough right exactly i i swear it's it's like it's like what what is it's it's like we already have so many problems on the inside but we're defending you you from an outside threat there is no outside threat it's an inside threat it it's and it's it's like it's like you you have a bodyguard but the bodyguard is stealing from you anyway it's well, like the, the bodyguard on. is um... the one who's robbing <laughs> i mean there it's are like... outside and inside threats Right, exactly. But I think, I the think we need to actually focus on our inside imminent. threats. Is I, I think the inside like at all the biggest. Yeah, like that's the problem we're having. We do, it doesn't need to be at the expense Ugh. of the rest. We still need the rest. There are definitely still outside yeah, threats I'm in saying, the world, but right, we I'm need saying. to actually fucking focus on what's happening in right. our country. And, and, yes. and then and then the, the the and then and then the bodyguard also having mental problems and physical health problems, but we focus on getting them more armor and weaponry than helping the physical and mental health problems in the body as too. So there's also that. I think <laughs> we're not... This um, is a really complicated analogy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I want right, to talk, talk about how... I want to talk about how our... Um... Could you step back from your mic a little bit? You're, uh, you're clipping, which is overloading the mic. Okay. Can you hear me better like this? Yes. Uh, that's so, a little better, but if you could step if you could step back a little bit more or quiet down a little bit more, it's still a little bit too loud. How about here? That's better. That sounds better. Is it better? Okay. Yep. So, um, my 
the thing I'm having, uh, I, I'm hearing is that you there's a, there's actually a point to our military, which is that we aim in other countries and destabilize other nations, and then we have economic control over these other places and actually participating in a colonial type of um, system where we teach other people how to use our money. And we insist that everyone uses the U.S. dollar in order to buy oil from OPEC. We had that agreement for a time. Therefore, people calling it the petrodollar because it's all, you know, in order to get oil, you need to have U.S. dollars and so forth. And so we're actually supplying the entire world with um, the U.S. dollar. And that's what's confusing for us is we don't understand that our dollar is actually different than every other currency in the world because of these military actions that we perform. And because of our superpower status, and we've made our dollar into the de facto world trade currency. And that's something that we're terrified of losing. If we lose that status and we let some other country have it, our dollar will no longer be what it is right now that we've created. And so um, I think that's part of the problem is we don't know how to pull back on our control of the entire rest of the world. Do you think that might have something to do with why Pelosi was for introducing a digital dollar? Or a, yeah, digital dollar, I think I called it. Oh, I didn't know Pelosi is for that, but but we should. I think it, um, the thing that I was talking about was from Rashida Talib, and I don't know if she actually has said that. I believe if she you got know, it. That's great. I think we need a digital dollar where we issue it without having to um, create debt. So right, all of our money, like um, I think Ariel said at some point, how does the money come into place? Is it just printed? Yes, but it's not printed in the way that people think. You know, like people think, oh, the the government just prints money and then you know get inflated and then you get that. No, no, no. Money is borrowed into existence from the very beginning. Even when the government goes to use it, one dollar of deficit is created for every dollar that they spend. So that's the real issue here: is that all of the money that we have are like little IOUs. They are printed as IOUs. And so we're um, shifting debt around. And when we increase GDP, we're increasing the total debt in the world. And we're also increasing our interconnectedness because that's what that represents. It, it means I couldn't make my own clothes, so I had to buy some clothes, right? I couldn't take care of my own, so I had to hire someone to take a child. That's when you need that little piece of paper. If you do everything for yourself, you don't need any money. <laughs> I didn't want to leave that silent, so I'll just continue. I mean, so what happens is GDP is a measurement of how interconnected we are, how much, how fragile society really is becoming. So very few of us make all of the things that we need now. There are very few of us who know how to build a house and get our food and take care of the children and, you know, maybe make transportation or whatever. But in the past, maybe just a century ago, people knew how to do almost everything for themselves pioneer back another two or three hundred years, they would have done all of that with the help of a few community members, right? And now know how to do those things. We know how to hunt. No, we don't. We know we go out there <laughs> to the grocery store. We hunt in the grocery store. And that's what the GDP is measuring. So you're talking about the difference being basically um, between us and like, say, the Amish who don't participate in the larger economy, but for like mild toe dipping. Exactly. So you only need some money to exchange with other people. You don't need to have money for anything you can do for yourself. And what's going on if you create a digital currency that's issued, then what's happening 
Um, it doesn't have to be digital currency. It could have been just paper money. Okay. So any type of money that's issued directly without creating more deficit because it's borrowed out of the federal bank, then you don't have to create a deficit. I mean, that's just a rule that we could change, but we don't change it because we have in place that nobody understand except for these economists. <laughs> and you have like years of training to understand it very well, right? And so it, it's a system that perpetuates the, the class system that we have now, full of people who don't know what they're talking about, even our elected officials, because they don't have to have an economics class to start becoming a congressperson. You know, and then I hear the Congress people saying all the time stuff that makes no sense because it doesn't relate to how the economy actually works. So how can we get our elected officials to, to understand this in the way economists do and consider making this fundamental change that sounds like it might fix a lot of our problems? That would have been a really good lecture to have in school. But yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I don't want to, I don't hard. want you to feel like I'm lecturing. I just feel I, I do sound like that because that's an actual hazard for me. I'm a teacher by trade. <laughs> I don't think he meant it. I think it's, no, I don't think I meant it. We appreciate the, the uh, information that you're providing. Yeah. He means it was a good class. I was required to take three years of social studies and four years of math in high school. And that lecture was somehow not included anywhere in that package. Yeah, deal, I just so. think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Ariel, but I think Ariel just means to say it's a good lecture. You know, you're giving a yeah. good lecture. Yeah, yeah. You're teaching us. I think in the very first like macroeconomics class you would take, there was something about the system. But even after you take that economics class, not tell it in the way I just told it, right? They don't want to it that clear they just tell you like random things like he has kind of created m1 m3 and it becomes very complicated very quickly and it gets away from the basic like how does the money work very fast right yeah so you could literally take like you know years of economics and still not quite get it if you're not thinking about bull and you know rich people and classes and so forth right it's it's funny like like i'm thinking like so many people should get their taxpayer money refunded for all the time that these young people have spent learning so much useless nonsense well and no because unfortunately functionally for the parents it was daycare not education right exactly. and there are some things i learned that i find valuable i mean i do like knowing how to multiply basic numbers it's a good skill very useful Yes, yeah. elementary school was but, extremely useful. And in high school, I did learn how to get a stuck can lid off a can. So there <laughs> is that. Right. That's elementary, but I'm talking about, but then middle school and high school. Yeah, it, it's all downhill from there. So it's, it's all just like more just these, these, um, like basically everything you could type in on Google and find out was my now. middle school and, yeah. and high school years. You know, you know a lot of that would was... be taught better with YouTube. Once we don't have right. this uh, this sacred way of life based around uh, uh, unreal economic value to protect, maybe we can change the way public school works so we're not uh, teaching so much wasteful and uh, indoctrinating information. Well, right. it, it it does help to remember that like this is a problem that predates the ability to just go Google the thing. Like my middle school and high school was pretty wasted, and we couldn't really do that for most of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it was actually well, the best I'm way to a, disseminate information before the internet came along. So I'm a private tutor, and I and I continue up to probably high school, um, and all through probably past 
a little past SATs. Um, I started out in at UC Berkeley learning. Um, I, can, I was I went into UC doing. Um, it was called math. Hold on, engineering, math, and statistics. Which, if you look up those three different, you know, it actually takes three different personalities to do to do those things: the engineer, the math, and the mm-hmm. uh, you know the science. <laughs> There's a lot of jokes about those people, a lot of math jokes about how they sh- these three types of people show up somewhere and they solve the problem. So, um, and then, I, yeah, I ended up uh, finishing up in uh, integrative biology and getting a minor in French. I kind of just went mm-hmm. through the whole, all different types of things you can school. Um, but I really enjoyed um teaching. And so that's what I've been doing. I'm a private tutor. And when I teach the students that I have right now, they're only coming to me for like maybe fourth grade through sixth grade right now. And I know for sure that when they go home and they're doing this stuff at home, the parents know they're not going to be able to teach them what's our, what's happening in fourth and sixth grade. So this is the level at which we really are at in our country is that parents don't even feel comfortable teaching their children things that they should be learning in fourth through sixth grade. And so the other tutors handed me those students because they're like, we're not comfortable teaching them. The, the other tutors in my own are, are more comfortable, you know, K through kindergarten through second. Like, so by the time you get fourth to sixth grade, the United States, we're already filled with people who can't handle that level of mathematics. So you're talking about how are you supposed to understand coronavirus if you don't understand percentage and how that growth happens, right? right? And have, like communicable oh, disease. Don't. Have, you, have you seen that television show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? So, right. Yeah. There you go. That's the right. thing. That's the level right. we're at. And the exactly. other thing is I had a better chance of passing that show probably about a decade ago. Right. And, and so, so what does that show really teach us? Maybe it doesn't teach us that like, you know, a, adults are really dumb. Maybe it teaches us that everything we were learning had no relevancy to the rest of our lives that we were going to live. Maybe that's the real ris- listen in that show, if you're really paying attention. Well, we don't have the caliber of teaching that we need because we don't pay teachers well enough for to attract the right. kind of talent we need. Because yeah. it, it, well, well, it well the the, the Scaramucci said the fish rots from the head up. So in the head up, we have all of our idiot leaders who make all these stupid decisions that trickle down to the rest of our society that rot everything else. So if we finally replaced this, it's it's like it's like when you re- need a root canal in your tooth. That the, these these people are already rot. They're decayed. They're garbage. So we just need to drill down and, like, you know, rip them all out and fill up the thing with something that's not rotted and decayed and filthy. The problem is we're not dentists. All we have is hammers. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well. Well. There. There's a way to do it. Or. Or maybe. I agree. There's extract. definitely a way. We. We need to extract all the rot and the filth. I honestly well, think we have- you're probably onto something with the general strike a little bit earlier because the only thing they listen to is money. Right. Hit them where it hurts in the pocketbooks. I think we have a situation where um, we have a in democracy and um, in feelings uh, stronger than we have in the, you know, we have a sort of myth of meritocracy, but our system is completely built, you know, contests. So we don't have it's any system that 
puts the right people in the right place. <laughs> right. So, so yeah, our system selects for the worst people. That's it's, the kind of it's, thing it does. It's a nepotistic kind of like opportunistic uh, system that just rewards the the most uh, just power hungry. Not really. I mean, I mean that that's all it is based on like bribes and you know um, uh, filthy stuff. It's based so. on your ability to take credit. That is the core skill, right. I think, of being in the American government. Take cre- taking credit for things other people have done. Or, or taking credit for things that you make up yeah. completely. Yes, taking credit right. for for things is the skill you need, and that seems to be the only skill in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. It's, really it's, interesting. It's, hmm. And and the reason why it's like this is because that we've been so distracted by unsubstantive things in our culture. Really, like like fantasy football and baseball and American Idol and like sitting in front watching netflix all day and while they're they're doing all these things behind everybody's backs while everybody's not paying attention so bread and circuses yeah exactly it's bread and circus and and that led to the fall of rome because when things really sucked in ancient rome and they said the 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 ruling class just said oh we'll just distract them with some show and they were stupid enough to fall for it so Hey, here we well, go. It works no, for a little no, I, while. I'd, I'd like to not call that stupid. Uh, <laughs> it works because when life sucks, having a like just a circus is fun to watch. Having fun things to watch gives yeah. you the good brain chemicals. And when the rest of your life sucks, the good brain <laughs> chemicals aren't a stupid decision. Don't, don't forget about food. <laughs> That's true. And like you know, pota- like the chips and the... don't forget about bread. <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly. Can't have your circus without your bread. Right. Yeah, it's sad. But that goes but, back to the person working three jobs, wanting to come home, and doesn't want to turn on the news for the seven minutes they got. They want to turn on whatever the show is, so that they don't have to engage with it directly. They want to eat. They want to watch something funny. I don't like that being framed as a stupid thing. <laughs> <laughs> I am sorry. It's I think we're all to be that entertained. Person. Entertainment's pretty good. Yeah, it's a society built around entertaining. Yeah, people. I don't think you, I don't think Ariel means stupid as in the fault of the consumer consuming the the entertainment. It's like stupid right. as in stupid from the perspective of leadership believing this is a good, viable, long term solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 it just means that we we have to because we only think of like we're being smart and educated in terms of like you. Uh, um, school and university we don't think of it in terms of like civic engagement and asking the tough questions and then the, for the for the people who do want to do that we're usually told to just be quiet and not say anything and it'll all just work itself out which is the worst thing you can inculcate within a person you know it'd be nice if that were the definition of patriotism Right, it's it. You you know why? Civic like I was watching. It should you know, be mm-hmm. why 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 rich people are rich and why some people are struggling is because you know some some middle class and poor families tell their kids when you go to like an authority, like let's say you're you are you're going to the dentist or the doctor, like don't ask them any questions. Don't just keep your head down. Just do what they tell you and don't say anything. But then the people with all the resources say, well, this person is there to serve you. 
So you use them as a resource. You ask them the questions. You, you want to know things about them. It's the way we engage with these authority figures that's going to, you know, you know, because the authority figures are there not not as people to like boss us around to treat us as cheap, but as our resources to 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 know to 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 gain some kind of knowledge. But we we don't look at it that way, and we should, you know. I mean, I I don't think we should. I think we should look at them as people who are providing a service to their community. Hmm. Not all of them. They're, they're not. No, but you like you highlighted like dentists and doctors mm. as as your examples. Whereas um, those the... those are people who are not like they are in a way in the way the no, society no. is a resource to be no. drawn on. But they I'm are just thinking, like they like, are no, people. <laughs> not 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 like like in a mean way to ask questions. I mean like uh you know you know like doctor or like how much of this am I like supposed to take or why am I taking this questions? Yeah. Or, yeah or and I, and I've been like some degree of middle-class and poor all my life. And I never had anybody telling me not to do those things. That's not how I was I socialized. I'm not that sure the where problem you're getting here that. Is that uh, you're both uh, disagreeing about the authoritarianism involved. Like the doctor does not have a say in your life the same way as the government has a say in your life. And I think that's, he's using an analogy, and I don't think it's translating quite perfectly. Right. Okay. Well, there are some things in which um, it would be good to have authorities, you know, when we want people to help us. We want experts in this public health crisis, for example. But at the same time, I hear a lot of the experts not doing the right job. So their job is partly to translate what's happening before all of us who are innumerate and don't understand numbers, right? But when they go on the news and they say things like there are this many cases, so they, there are a lot of people right now doing for their communities the job of, you know, hey, I come online, I tell people this is how many cases we have, this is what's going on. But when they say that number, they don't describe how that number should be interpreted. And that's the part they're really not, they're not doing a good job of right now. That's why people are confused. So they hear that there's zero cases in this county and they're like, yay. And then there's like thousand cases. So they think, oh, well, that's the problem. You know, those people are, we don't have a problem because we have zero cases. Right. So, you know, yeah, the expert never says, well, we have zero cases because we haven't tested anyone. Hello. (laughs) You know, so if we go to test this, we're going to find those numbers, but 15 days out because we got five days to even getting sick and coming in to get tested. And then we have another 10 days to wait on the test to come back. So then the question is like, what, what information is actionable information instead of just information that's just like consumed and not done anything with is very important. Like what information actually has meaning? Well, well a lot they, of these experts don't numbers. really think of these things in these ways either. I mean, there is a disconnect between the people because their mind understands the numbers. So they assume when you hear this, you think, oh, well, I already know this part and I already know that part. That's why there needs to be somebody who's capable of bridging both. And we don't have enough of those people either. Yeah, you definitely need translators for experts. <laughs> That's true. Like I And even some of the experts don't think quite understand what they're doing because they're just learning about things right now, too. I can kind of tell that they haven't really put a lot of thought into this when they start talking that way. (laughs) And traditionally, that's the role of our news media or certain aspects of our government. But they are doing a very poor job of taking that information and then making it accessible. 
So we've got a complete breakdown of society in some sense because our newspapers are not able to keep their journalists. We no longer have real journalism, right, in most places. And in our small towns, I've noticed that the TV stations, for example, can't keep the talent because they don't have money to send them all over the rural areas. It's very, the coverage areas vary, and every day they have to have gas and you know, make sure to get to different places. They don't have enough people. The people get stressed out. They leave. And so we've got a like food turnover in these TV stations. So there's not enough time to train people up to do the good job. Well, that's, yeah. that's it. it. It all comes back to a universal basic income because all the money it has been siphoned to the top of the pyramid. And there are people who just enjoy doing the news too. Like you have in high schools, you have a news, like a school newspaper for a reason. People like doing it. So if they didn't have to worry about money, like Ariel was saying, being funded would probably really help. (laughs) Yeah. Like I tell everyone I told my job about, I would do it for free if I could afford to. Right. There's a lot of jobs that like that out there. I think I really believe in that UBI because I believe people are really smart and they know what they're good at. And instead of the school telling you that you should all be trained to come out the exact same product that some committee has decided, you know, you should turn out to be because these are all the things you're going to learn in 10 minute increments throughout the day. You know, I think people would learn the things that they're best at. And they would naturally put themselves where they need in order to help society progress. And we just need to trust so you'd, people. You'd maybe like to see more magnet schools as opposed to special or um, generalized schooling? What's a magnet school? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I actually sat on a committee when I was in school. And that was way back in Bush senior days. Okay. And Bush senior had a program called the Schools of Choice. He wanted to allow people to have more choices in their public schools. So he said, if your, if your community creates a school of choice, we'll give you funding to do that. And so the schools of choice program is not exactly like a magnet school. Um, I heard your question, Elizabeth. So um, the magnet school is where they say we're going to specialize in math, for example, or science, or we're going to specialize in a high school for pro- performing and visual arts or a business school, even as early as elementary through high school. And these co- and that's happening in Houston. I went to a, sc- a Houston ISD a while back, and they have magnet schools where they, uh, Mm -hmm. where you can apply to any school in the school district that you thought, you know, if your child would rather learn performing and visual arts, you know, you could go for that high school. And they would be, they would have special classes in that that other schools don't have. Um, But in, in, yeah, go ahead. So it's like Houston, we have a solution. I just want to say that. (laughs) Well, that's the magnet school program. And then the schools of choice program for um, just choosing a different school. And the school didn't need to have its own special program necessarily. It would just be a different, like you could choose any school in your uh, school district that you wanted to go to. And some of them would just naturally be better at some things just because they have those teachers or um, they're in the right location or something. And um, some school, so we did the schools of choice program in um, California when I was a high school student in the ABC school district with Artesia, Bellflower, Cerritos. And um, we implemented this with a group of people from the community and from the school system and from, you know, different chosen from different places. A lot of volunteers that came together to talk about it, just like we're doing at this round table. And then the school, and then we made the recommendation that were then later adopted. 
So I sat on that committee as a high school student because I noticed they were looking for people and I volunteered myself. And they were like, oh, a student representative, huh? And they took me in. They said, maybe we should have one. And um, we, and that was actually great because um, it gives people a chance to, um, to assort into different, you know, different schools just naturally become better at, at different things, just like people. You know, and so you could choose a particular school and then we would still bus you to it if that's what you wanted to do. So I think a lot of um, just more choices in education and, and allowing for the fact that we don't know what's happening in the future. You could say, I want you to learn this, but then turns out you don't need to know that because, you know, the technology is changing so fast. Yeah. Well, gosh, right. Like most of people. Most of my math growing up was based on the premise that I would not be able to carry a calculator everywhere. So, yeah. <laughs> you can't carry yeah, a calculator no. everywhere, you know. We're past five o'clock. So um, let's call the episode here so I can get to editing it and uh, get it up as soon as possible on Anchor and Spotify. Um, this was a good conversation. Thank you all for coming. Um, if you could each say your name, your Twitter handle, and goodbye. We'll, uh, we'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Shell, for doing a great job. <laughs> oh, thank you. I think you're doing a great job. I'm sorry. Was I supposed to go first? Uh, no, that was not oh. specified. <laughs> um, but why don't you go ahead, Mia, please? Okay. Um, at Mia M E A Songbird on Twitter. Okay, and I'm uh, Faye Koo. I'm at Palestine Math on Twitter. The Wandering Unicorn at Unicorn Zero Three Six Nine. I'm Ariel at Ariel's under Armada, and you can find me on YouTube as Revolution. I'm at Shale Riley. That's S H A E L R I L E Y on Twitter. Thank you for listening. I hope you gained something from this conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. Stay safe. Take care of yourself. Take care of everybody you can. This is a crazy, difficult, surreal time. Um, thank you for giving us some of yours. I hope. I hope we will be together in podcast conversation again. Until then, take care. Goodbye. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. I love you. Got to get out. Yep. Yeah. Thanks. Bye, Bye guys. Thanks for everybody showing up today. Bye. <laughs> Bye.